Together at the Table, the podcast from Integrity Music, where people around the world sit at their tables and talk about life in all its colors. Not to judge, but to love, share, listen, and learn. Whether you're rich or poor, we all sit at a table. And when we gather, everyone has a part to play in the conversation. So join us now as we share stories together at the table. Welcome to Together at the Table, the podcast from Integrity Music that brings you inspiring conversations with remarkable individuals. I'm Andrew Phillips, your host, and today talking with Jack Mooring. Now, Jack is a pastor, a speaker, a songwriter, and an author, and a wonderful human being. Beginning in ministry from an early age with his family, he and his brother went on to start the now Grammy-nominated band Leland. And after touring full-time and ministering around the world from 2005 to 2014, Jack left the band in order to pastor full-time. And for several years, he served on the pastoral staff of two different churches before planting Celebration of Life Church. I've been. It's lovely. Uh, Jack continues to make music as a songwriter, signed with Integrity Music. And as both a pastor and a creative, he is passionate about communicating the gospel in a post-Christian culture. His debut book, Portrait of God, is being released with David C. Cook Publishers in August, I believe, yes. in 2024. Uh, he resides in Franklin, Tennessee with his wife, Whitney, and five children, yes. uh, Smith, Kate, Anthony, Gabriel, and Owen. Yeah, that's right. Amen. <laughs> uh, join us today as we explore Jack's incredible journey from music to ministry and creativity right here on Together at the Table. Jack, welcome to the table. Yes, thank you for having me, Andrew. I'm so grateful to be here. It's a pleasure. It, it's wonderful. I, I, we base this whole podcast on a scripture, Luke eleven thirty seven. 37. Uh, Jesus had finished speaking and a, a Pharisee invited him to... Uh, eat with him. And he went, Jesus went. And I love how it says he reclined at the table. He yes. he stopped everything. He slowed down. <laughs> he came to that table. And we like to start these conversations with welcoming Jesus to the table, our table here yes. today. I wonder if you'd do us the honor. Yes. Thank you. Oh, Lord, thank you for this privilege. Um, that you are at the table with us right now. And we acknowledge your presence. And we thank you that you love us and that you are with us. And we are two sons uh, getting to talk about um, God, our Father. And we thank you, Jesus, that you made a way that this conversation is even possible. We can only commune and talk based on your righteousness. So we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'd like to ask you about the table you work at. Yeah. You know, the Pharisee had a table where he did what <laughs> right. he did. Uh, Jesus made tables. Right. He was a carpenter. He made some good tables, I'm sure. Yeah. But you have a table that you work at. And as I outlined in the introduction, you do a lot. So tell me about that table. Yeah. So um, 
I'm a pastor and uh, of a new church. We started in September 2021. We're actually a campus of my parents' church mm-hmm. in Texas. My parents are pastors. And, um, you know, from a young age, I felt called to ministry. I went on a, on a missions trip to Mexico when I was like 12 years old and felt this call to ministry, went into the band, did music ministry for a long time, but knew I was called to pastor. And so a lot in that story, but but here we are. Uh, we're pastoring our church here in Franklin, Tennessee, and it is an honor. And that table where I work is, um, it's it's my favorite thing about it is is listening to people, hearing where they are, where their hearts are, and being with them there, you know, and walking with them through that. You know, Jesus does change our lives. He <laughs> he transforms a lot of stuff, but he's also patient in the midst of it in the midst of the change when we don't want it, when it's not happening fast enough for us. Mm. And I just love that. I love walking with people through that. And one of our core values at the church is authenticity. And we're really trying to model that. And, uh, but yeah, my table is an office. Uh, I, I <laughs> you know, sometimes I'm in the office, sometimes I'm working from the from house. Like we've said, we have five kids. So um, um, whenever I'm working from home, that is interesting. So <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of noise, but it's um, basically though my my work table is serving people, mm-hmm. and I want people to know the gospel and to experience the Jesus I've experienced. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, my I've been privileged to to know Him my whole life and have to encounter Him. So that that's the work I do mm-hmm. uh, is trying to bring people to that. You've written songs, uh, performed songs. You're writing a book. You write sermons. Yeah. Uh, you probably write letters to people, emails to people as yes. they reach out to you. So on this table, how do you feel in your heart in those moments, in that role you play with God and what you're doing? How, how do you feel in those moments? Right. Um, well, you, it, it's interesting because it's like, you know, a lot of a lot of writing, and, and you're right, um, the table I work at it, with my hands is a lot of writing, actually. Uh, and, you know, I always joke around, you know, songwriting um, you know, it, it takes a lot to write a good song, you know, but, uh, you know, writing a sermon every single week, there's like this pressure, right. Mm, to, mm. to communicate well and something that's helpful for people. Um, but yeah, I, I think, how do I feel at that table? I think for me, it's just reminding to lean into God. It's the only things worth writing are the things that are really true. And, and, um, I don't want to just write and talk about just good ideas. I want to, you know, be incarnational. I I want them to to embody those ideas and to really believe them. And so I spend a lot of time when I'm writing and thinking about my messages or even correspondence to someone like, God, you know, what do you want to say? Like, what is, you know, I want to be authentic and and real in this exchange. Do you find that when you write something, it's something you've been through or is it something you're going to have to go through? Oh yeah, no, I write to my future self all the time. Um, I'm like, you know, what, what, uh, what song will I need to hear <laughs> a year from now? You know, um, but oftentimes it is, it's, you know, and I, I say this to the church all the time. If if you're hearing me preach about it, it's probably because I need to hear the sermon. You know, um, you know, I, I I I preach to myself all the time. You know, I'm I'm thankful. I, I'm thankful that's one of my gifts is like is preaching because like. I need it. I use my gift on myself, you know, and I think anybody listening to this, whatever gifting you have, use it on yourself, you know, mm. encourage yourself with it. Mm. 
I'll preach to myself all the time. And so if you're hearing hear me write about something or preach about something, it's because I I need to remember that it's true. Mm. You know, isn't that scripture says speaking to yourself? Yes, in psalms and hymns and spiritual yeah. songs. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, and of course David encouraged himself in the Lord. Mm. It says, mm. you know, in a really really intense time. By the way, can I ask in the songwriting area, is there one song, Jack, that still gets you every time, and you remember that moment when you wrote it? Yeah, yeah. No. Um, well, there is. A, a, so, Sovereign Over Us is one. Um, we were at a writing retreat and with a couple other writers. And um, if you've ever been to these things before, basically they throw a bunch of writers in the, you know, a cabin and then you break up and do sessions together. It's really fun. And, but these other two writers, you know, we didn't know each other very well. And, you know, that's hit or miss. You never know if it's going to work or not. And I just had, I just had this idea, you know, I'd been going through a lot of stuff and, and I just, you know, I, I you hear Jeremiah twenty nine eleven a lot growing up as a Christian, and I started going, man, is that actually true? <laughs> Are his plans to prosper me, be, mm. prosper me, to give me a future and a hope? Because right now that doesn't feel true. Right. And so I'm like, all right, I'm going to write a song because I know it's true. So I just said, you know, your plans are still to prosper. You've not forgotten us. I just said that out loud. I was like, what do you guys think about that? And then the rest is history. They, they, Aaron Keys and 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 Brian, they took it and ran with it, really. But, and that song still to this day, when I sing it, it ministers to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So beautiful, Leland. Yeah. And I, in talking with a few artists over the last few weeks, come across this understanding that actually, when you perform, your audience is at your table. Right. <laughs> okay. So it's a big table. Yeah. And yeah. you traveled a lot and did a lot of things in a wonderful time. Yes. Anything you can recount or special feeling you have about that? What what was it that you think you did with your life in that time? Right. I, I, I think we would sort of just pour our hearts out on the table. I mean, that was our that was only that was the only way we knew how to do it. You know, um, we we were we knew this about ourselves. We were weren't particularly good performers. Some some bands are gifted at that. I mean, they really bring people into experience of like, oh, like, you know, an inspiring performance um, that that is like a a, a really life giving form of entertainment. We didn't feel like we were that great at that, but we just loved we just loved to worship God and then just pour our hearts out and say, hey, you can come along too. And I think th that was the most rewarding thing, you know, um, mm. uh, just it, it, people coming up to us afterwards and going like, I felt something different that I haven't felt before. And we're like, that's it. That's it. That was our childhood, you know, in, in encountering God in those moments. So that, that's really what we wanted on the road and mm. yeah, a lot of great memories. I bet. Uh, one little question about the book you've been writing on the table, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is coming out. Do you want to <laughs> say something about that quickly? Yeah, you know, I mean that 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 book is a um, you know it was a work in progress, obviously for a long time. Uh, I'm a bookish person. I like to read, and I I mainly read dead people. You know, uh, I'm just that kind of a person. And um, so the book is really uh, a it's a collection of stories about great men and women uh, throughout church history and how they encountered God. And, you know, we're kind of in an identity crisis right now in our culture, mm. not just personally. I mean, people know that, but really we're, God has an, 
you know, we've given God an identity crisis. <laughs> he doesn't have it, uh, but we're having one with him. We, we kind of don't know who he is. You know, there's all these bad ideas about what he's like. And, and so the book Portrait of God, it's like the idea is repainting an image of God in our hearts, one that's healthy. And we use the stories of these people to help paint that image. This is the God they experienced, a God of joy, a God of love, a God of holiness, a God of power. And so I, I recount stories like from C.S. Lewis to uh, uh, William and Catherine Booth and Augustine and all. And I tell the stories through like a historical fiction narrative. So it kind of uh, hopefully makes it kind of exciting mm. and pulls the reader in. Oh, I'm looking forward to reading yeah, that. Yeah, it's fun. I'm excited about it. I want to move the table now to the family table. Mm. So you can talk us through your family table as you grew up with your parents and yes. uh, now the family table that you have. Talk us through some of the things that matter to you at that time. Man, this is the, one of the most important tables in my life. I mean, in terms of just forming who I am, I, you know, our family is very close and uh, my mom and dad are amazing. They are, um, we grew up in the ministry. So our, um, my dad plays piano. He's like this genius musician. Uh, my mom is a singer. She's awesome. They were choir directors and music ministers growing up in church. Hmm. So we would, travel around to different churches and help them with their music program. And so I grew up in choir practices and things like that. So our family is very musical. Uh, music was always in the home. But, you know, uh, my my parents were sort of first-generation Christians of uh, in terms of really making a stand for the Lord and giving their lives to the Lord. Now, my grandparents ended up coming to Christ, which is awesome. But they struggled a lot with substance abuse. My grandparents did. It's so my parent. My mom had a very traumatic childhood, uh, and she's just a testament to hmm. God's grace. And the fact that she still loves God is amazing. You know what I mean? She went through so much. So just our, our parents. I mean, you know, always championed us, cheered us on. We have an unusually close family, and I, I, people actually, when they hang out with their family, they're like, "You guys really." like one another and love one another. And we're like, I know it's, we're grateful for it. And I think people are hungry for that. And I would say to anybody, if you happen to have a family that's like that, that, you know, that's God's gift to you is God's grace. Pull people into it because Hmm. people are so hungry for family. Like, and so that's what we've tried to do. We've tried to make our table bigger with our family and just say, Hey, come on over. And my parents are great at that. They modeled it well. And, um, pulling people onto our table. So you got five children. Yes. So it's not a small table. It is. It's it's not. It's not. <laughs> and then my my uh my wife's parents, so my in-laws, they have 17 grandkids now. So when we hang with them, it's like crazy. Yeah. Um but yeah, no, our, our our we have five kids and so it's exciting in our house right now. It's like the noise level is high. <laughs> it's energy level's high. Um so yeah, you know, I'm I'm really my our our, our youngest, you know, the date of this recording it turns one tomorrow. Oh. And um and so we're, I'm trying to enjoy it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I do enjoy it, but I'm trying to savor it is, is what I mean. So what's interesting slow down. In, in in the way you've described how your family life has grown from no faith to faith yes. to now you're a generation with faith. Yes. Um what traditions are you bringing? into now mm. yeah uh singing uh it you know so it, i know it sounds really simple but like a very 
I mean, an unbreakable tradition in our family was to gather around at Thanksgiving and Christmas. And we literally sing for like an hour. It's hilarious. I mean, because everyone plays something. And and so making sure that that um, I don't want the only time my kids hear me playing music is at worship on Sunday morning. Obviously, that's important. But uh, I want there to be music in our home of just, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, worship songs to God, but then also just a good song about life, mm-hmm. you know? Showing them that there's that that sacred and secular barrier is not there. It's, um, so, um, so, so, so yeah, that, that, that music, music is a massive tradition we're, we're trying to instill with our family, and um, also the word. I mean, like the, the Bible uh, in the morning. My wife has been amazing at this because I've been wishy washy on it. She's just like the most solid anchor, mm. uh, and and just grounding our kids in the Word of God and putting it in there. So, and the thankfulness for. The food, the family life. Uh, so, so the the so we we started a thing. I was on some trip, and someone it was like a missions trip, and someone said, uh, "All right, we're gonna do sparkle and farkle today." And I was like, "Sparkle and farkle? That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> like, what is this?" And they go, "All right, so we want to hear your 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 highest moment, your and your lowest moment oh, in the day." Wow. And I was, and it was so profound. We went around and they shared their highest moment and their lowest moment. And so we've started that at our table with our kids. So we go, all right, sparkle and farkle. And uh, they share their highest moment of the day, their favorite thing. And then it gives me an opportunity to say, well, tell me more about that. You know, why, why did you enjoy that? And I get to know them more. And they say their low point, you know, well, you know, hmm. so-and-so stole my water gun, you know, <laughs> whatever it is for them and to be there with them in that. So that that's that's been a really good tradition. Hmm. Jesus often dined with various individuals. In fact, they used to say they were predominantly publicans and sinners. Yes. And uh, I guess that we would say the marginalized. Yes. People that nobody wanted to sit with. Yeah. He brought them to the table. Is that something you try to do? Yes. I I, I think our table, our tables, particularly in the, the Christian West, have become over-sanitized. Uh, uh, I read an article the other day how how people are sanitizing too much now, you know, like yeah. dousing their hands with everything, and it, and there's all these health uh, repercussions because of it. I think you know, ministry is supposed to be messy. Our our lives are supposed to, relationships are messy, and so yes, we are are trying our best to bring people into that table. I, uh, you know, I had a recent. We recently took a sabbatical, just a four week break from the church and it was wonderful, you know, just to get some, a breath, you know? Mm. So I did sailing lessons and cause I'd always wanted to go sail, learn how to sail. So I went to a lake here in Nashville. Anyways, it's on, and I, I'm in this class and it's three other people, uh, one, you know, one couple from out of the country were there. And I told them I was a pastor. I was like, don't start acting weird around me when I tell you I'm a pastor. And, uh, but all three of them were non-Christians, and it actually convicted me because mm-hmm. I realized as a pastor, one of the dangers is that you're just hanging around Christians all the time because that's you're shepherding people, right? And um, it convicted me, so I'm like to be more intentional about because I'm not in a in a mainstream workplace, right? And so to make sure I'm intentionally going out in the community and connecting with people who don't who don't know Jesus and and are in process just like I am, 
you know? So uh, to answer your question, I aspire to do it better, honestly. I'm not doing it as as good as I should. Yeah. I think one of the things too that I've heard a lot of people talk about is preparing themselves to get to the table. Right. Because they know where they're coming from and coming back to. And probably as a minister where you're dealing with all sorts of issues or a pastor, dealing with so many issues with people. Right. And then you come back to your family table. Right. <laughs> that transitions quite a lot, isn't it? You know? So how do you prepare yourself for for that? Right, right. I, you know, I want my kids to love the church 20 years from now, you know, and the church with a capital C, you know. And um, so I try my best to not bring home the stresses if I have a, some sort of intense conversation with a congregant or something, mm. you know, to try to to not bring that home. And I think we're doing a pretty good job of that, you know. And and then, too, you know, for example, we, we recently had a, a, a family – uh, move on from the church and 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 leave and go somewhere else. And we're a very small church, so our kids notice that they're like, "We're so and so," you know. <laughs> and even in my conversations with them, just to go like, "Hey, like," to protect that family and to honor them, you know, and to say, "Hey, like, you know, God leads us different places." And and uh, so I have to make that preparation in my heart when I come back to the family table to make sure I'm, you know, I'm not putting any of my stresses or anxieties on them. You know. Mm-hmm. Together at the table. If you want to hear classic and familiar worship songs for a new generation, check out Shout Praises Kids anywhere you stream music. Check out Shout Praises Kids wherever you listen to music. Together at the table. Hi, Andrew Phillips here. We've put together a resource for you to take your podcast experience to the next level. You can now bring the heartwarming conversations from our podcast to your very own table. Introducing the Together at the Table PDF Listening Guide. This guide provides a deeper insight into our series and offers you the chance to host your very own Together at the Table gathering. Inside, you'll find all the thought-provoking questions we discuss in every episode. Use these questions to create meaningful conversations with your friends and family, just as we do on the podcast. It's a great way to connect and grow together. Download your copy now by going to integritymusic.com forward slash together at the table. We'd love you to share your responses with us. What insights did you gain and what conversations were sparked around your table? We've set up a voicemail so you can get in touch and tell us about your stories from your table. Call 1-607-96-TABLE. That's 1-607-968-2253. We look forward to sharing your stories and thoughts on a future episode. Thank you for being part of this beautiful community. Together at the table. What do people say about you, Jack, when you leave the table? Or what would you like them to say about you when you leave the table? 
I hope they would say he cared about me. You know, that that he he was more interested in me than he was himself. I mean, that is a goal of mine. Hmm. I, I don't always meet it, you know, uh, but but uh you know, we we tried the, with the band. This is back to my fam, my parents. They really instilled this in us. They they told us they when we started traveling on the road, they said it is not a big deal to be invited somewhere once. Our mom told us this. She said, that's not a big deal. She said, it's getting invited back. That's a big deal. Uh, and so she says, treat everyone and uh, with dignity and respect. And you know, a lot of times at a conference or something like that, you know, you probably experienced this. You're talking with someone and their eyes are going around and trying to look for a more important person to talk to. And so we just tried very hard to make sure we didn't do that, you know, and whoever we were talking to, we honored them and loved them, you know, no matter how influential they were or not. And so that's my biggest aspiration is that people would experience that because that's, and that's ultimately, I can't do that. That's got to be Christ in me because hmm. Jesus is the one who cares about people, you know, uh, if it's just up to selfish old Jack, you know. I've only got so much morality in me. You know, I need his character to shine through me. And that's where leaning into prayer is so important. Yeah. Yeah. My late father was a minister. And there was a line I used to say to him sometimes when I looked at him when he looked pretty tired. <laughs> and uh, I used to say, who ministers to the minister? Yeah. So who ministers to you, Jack? Yeah. Well, um, it's cool that you brought that up because... Uh, that's why we took a sabbatical recently because we were just tired, you know, and I, and and so I actually reached out to an overseer of ours. Um, he's amazing. Just really, he's kind of a pastor to pastors. He really is that. And uh, he's be really become that for me. And I just called him. And I said, I'm struggling. You know, I'm tired. I'm, I'm stressing out too much about all this, honestly. Hmm. And... He he said, uh, he said you, you need to take a sabbatical. So we we, we went to my oversight and and they all agreed. They were like, you need to just press pause and you know you're a human being. You know you need to rest. So all that to say, I, I am grateful. I have that. Um, a lot of pastors don't though. It, yeah. it is an, you know you know this. I mean it's an epidemic. Yeah. Part partly because it's like pastors are scared to be authentic. Yeah. Uh, because. Or, or vulnerable because um, they think that their moral authority for ministry is based on their good conduct, you know? Yeah. And there's a cultural reality that, I mean, you know, you, you'd like to think that people wouldn't care, but when pastors start getting vulnerable, you know, some people have a hard time with that, yeah. you know? And that's just a reality. But as pastors, if there's any pastor listening to this, it's worth it. It's worth it to be honest. It's worth it to be vulnerable, even if some people can't handle it, you know, and they go somewhere else. It's okay. Mm. Your heart's more important than that. Yeah. And so, and so, so it really gets just being rooted in identity as I'm, I'm a son of God first, you know, not pastor first. Yeah. Even Jesus fell asleep in a boat. Yeah. So <laughs> that's right. You know, he got tired. Yes. Um, uh, if you could leave something at the table today, so if there's anything, you leave something like a blessing or something you don't want, Yeah. what would you leave? Oh, man. Um, uh, I, 
St. Augustine is one of my favorite, you know, obviously Christian thinkers. He said something pretty amazing. He said, he said, I've heard Aristotle and Cicero say many wise and beautiful things. He said, but I've never heard them say, come to me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. That is the distinctive factor of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that he gives us inner rest. Hmm. He gives it to us. We don't deserve it. And actually on the sabbatical, I was like, you know, the first week I would go, well, we really need this. And I was, you know, I found myself wanting to sell it to people. Like I deserve this, you know? And what do we tell people too, if they, when they're working hard and they take a vacation, we're like, Hey, take that vacation. It's, it's well deserved, you know? And God, God corrected me on that. Well, I'm in the sabbatical, and he said, Jack, he said, this sabbatical is not well-deserved. He said, that's gospel rest is not well-deserved rest. He said, gospel rest is undeserved rest. That's what, that's the rest that God gives us. We don't deserve it. Like none of us deserve the grace of God. That's the whole point. Like none of us deserve him. None of us deserve his love. None of us deserve to be at peace because we're all messed up. Hmm. But he gives it to us anyways, if we'll just say yes and receive it, be humble enough to receive it. So that's what I would leave at the table is that anyone listening to this, that what separates the message of Jesus from all other messages is that he wants to give us what we don't deserve. And we don't deserve it, but he loves us so much and he will give us rest and peace that, that no one can affect it. No one can touch it or take it away from us. And then it gives, gives us a place of energy and joy to go out into the world and love people and serve people. Mm. And, and I yeah. also like the concept of the mess that you've got that you put on the table. Yeah, you're right. He takes it away. Yes, he does. He takes it away. That's it. And the sad thing is though, we go looking for it Yeah, to take it back again. He don't want to give it back. It's so true. You know, we, we and Jesus died to take it. Mm-hmm. That that that's that's what's even crazier is that we're like, hey, give us back that stuff that you died to take off of our shoulders. It's it is wild that that we do that, and we're forgetful people. I mean, that's it's you know, I I say we're drifty people. You know, you be at the beach, you're in the water, you drift away from where your umbrella is uh, without realizing it, and we do that in our hearts. We drift away from rest. We drift away from the good news because we're surrounded by a culture of performance and metrics and hmm. it, but that's just, it's not the gospel, you know? And I, and the, the, the amazing thing is that God knows that we'll give him everything. If we'll leave it all the table, we can run faster, yeah. right? Yeah. We can actually end up accomplishing more for him hmm. because we don't have all these weights yeah. holding us back. In all the years that you've been at tables, going through life and different experiences, is there a moment you can remember, a specific moment at a table that will stay with you forever? Mm. Oh, man, that's a great, great question. That's a fantastic question. Um, you know, I I, uh, I think the first thing that comes to mind is we used to travel with our family and um, we did traveling ministry and we traveled with a, an evangelist from Australia Hmm. Uh, amazing man named Nigel McNeil. Um, they, 
we were total Americans, right? And we were so hungry after these meetings at night. Uh, we would do these evening revival services, basically. We'd be so hungry. And uh, we were like, we want to go to McDonald's. And Nigel's like, no, mate. He's like, I can't eat heavy at night, you know? <laughs> and uh, But we'd go back to his hotel room and he would have some snacks and we would make this makeshift table. And it was just the most just precious times with him. And we would relive, we would talk about how good God is. And it wasn't this elaborate meal. It wasn't anything. It was in a hotel, you know? Um, he would make tea and, you know, we're from Texas. The only tea we drink is you have to, it's got to be cold with ice with tons of sugar. And uh, we drink it like he drank it. And it, it, we we bonded over that table. And this man who was just so great, who not many people know about him, but he's just such an amazing man of God. Um, he poured so much into us over that table. And so that, that's where my mind first goes. And I think, you know, it was a transformative table for two years. We would go to his, the hotel room often, you know, after every service and we would just talk and, and um, yeah, it, it changed us, you know, his perspective of God and, and God's goodness. Hmm. And um, yeah, so, so uh, the table is transformative if, if, we'll, if we'll let it be. Hmm. Absolutely. That's a good story. Uh, I like the Australian angle of that too. <laughs> we used to call in Australia a smorgasbord. Yeah. Like you, everyone brought so much to the table. It didn't make sense, but nobody complained. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> just random meats. Yeah. Exactly. If you could sit at a table with um, anybody, somebody who may have moved on, passed on, or somebody uh, now, uh, and you could be with them, who would that be and why? Oh, man, that's a Great, great question. Um, there's a lot of them, obviously, but if if I had to pick, uh, um, there's uh, there's a guy named Thomas Chalmers, and um, he was a Scottish minister in the early 1800s, and um, he he actually went to St Andrews College at 12 years old. He's like this prodigy, you know, hmm. um, and. He decided to go into the ministry because he thought it would be a good job, and uh, he could just—he's really smart, so he could just rattle off a sermon on Sundays and then go pursue whatever else he wanted during the week. He—he just—he wasn't a uh, follower of Christ. I mean, <laughs> he just saw it as a profession. And his brother uh, was on his deathbed, and his brother asked him to read the Psalms and Jonathan Edwards sermons to him as he was dying. And so, basically, Thomas Chalmers gets converted on his brother's deathbed. And he's just an amazing, amazing man of God who understood, really understood the understood the gospel and also understood culture. I would love to sit down at a table with that man hmm. and um, just glean from him. And, and you know, if, if I would like to ask him what he thinks about what's going on in our culture. Yeah. And, you know, I would imagine that he wouldn't be losing his cool, you know, he wouldn't be stressed out or worried because they were facing stuff back then too. Yep. And, uh, and I would imagine he'd bring me back to the gospel, you know? Um, and, um, that, that, that is, that's the power for, for, for change in our world in the first place. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, it, it would be, it would be Thomas Chalmers. That, 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 that's my very nerdy answer okay. to that one. No, it's good. It's a good, it's a good answer. 
Jack, if you sat with Jesus and you're at the table with Jesus, what would you say? Thank you. Yeah, I would thank him for not giving up on me. Because hmm. I've, you know, you know, I have taken advantage of his goodness. Hmm. And, and I would thank him for not, well, as I said earlier, not giving up on me, you know, believing in me and loving me. And I, you know, I thank him for him just willing to sit with me, you know, the God of the universe. It's like, it's just, it's shocking. <laughs> it's amazing um, that he loves us that much. And so, so yeah, I would just like to just sit with him and, and thank him. What would you like him to say to you? Oh, um, that you brought people to me, that you pointed people to me, and that um, that you learned to rest in my love. You know, you learned to model that for people, and. Um, yeah, that that the I I would like to hear a well done that really had nothing to do with works I did necessarily, but a well done on learning how to rest in me, hmm. because ultimately that that that's what that's where the work flows from. Hmm. Yeah. And a final question: What would you say to people who are listening maybe to this podcast today, and they're not sure whether they want to come to that table? With Jesus. Yeah. Or maybe they've just had some bad experiences at the table. Right. What would you say to them? Well, the cool thing about Jesus is that um, uh, he's God. I mean, he's God. <laughs> um, but if you look at his life, he, he, he did things that you would imagine God doing, you know, like kids were always on, you mm. know, they, they had to like pull the kids off of him because kids loved him, you know, mm. kids don't love boring people. I'm telling you, That's you know, right. I have five of them. <laughs> I got five too. So I know. Right. Yeah. Right. They, they, they're attracted to like fun, winsome people. Mm. And so much so the disciples had to like bat the children away. And Jesus was like, don't do that. So all, all that to say, if you're hesitant about Jesus's table, yes, he's God, but man, you've never been around someone like this before. He'll he'll sit with you. He's interested in your life. You know, hmm. do you have a business where you paint? He wants to hear about that. Why do you like to paint? He loves you. You know, and I think of I always think of Zacchaeus because Zacchaeus was a mess. Man, he did so. He was ripping people off and stealing money from people, and no one liked him. No one. You know. Even the bad people didn't like him, you know? Mm. Jesus goes up to him. Zacchaeus is, was was shorter than most people, so he had to get up in a tree to see Jesus in the street. Jesus walks up to the tree and says, come to my house. Or, or, or he says, I, I, I want to come, I wanna come have, have lunch with you, you know? Mm. And so somewhere in that conversation, Zacchaeus is transformed. But um, I can tell you right now, Jesus didn't start off with a sermon. He just sat with him because that's what Jesus modeled throughout his whole life. 
Jesus was very, very intense and aggressive with religious people. But with the, with the non-religious, he, he was never mean or trying to fix them first. He sat with them. I'm telling you, sit with Jesus, your life will change. Your life will change. You get to know him. Um, because everybody wants to change. Everybody has something about their life that they cannot fix. Hmm. They can't figure it out. And the answer is in Jesus. Uh, he'll, he'll, he'll transform you. Hmm. Jack Mooring, thank you for coming to the table. Thank you so much. What an honor to be here. I, I, this was amazing. Bless you. Bless you. Together at the table. Together at the Table is an Integrity Music Podcast and hosted by Andrew Phillips. The show is produced by Lasting Media Group. Our executive producers are Andrew Phillips and Jason B. Jones. Special thanks to Callie Argent, Bruno Balduino, Olivia Buchanan, Madison France, Alicia St. Gillet, Robbie Moore, Matt Lott, Noah Newman, and John Schneck. Our theme music is Good God, Lo-Fi Version by Special Music from their upcoming album, Still Worship, Lo-Fi, Volume 2. To listen to more lo-fi and Christian instrumental music, search for Still Worship wherever you listen to music. To learn more about Together at the Table, as well as Integrity Music, visit IntegrityMusic.com. And to get more involved with the show, follow us on socials at TogetherTablePod. We've also set up a voicemail at 1-607-96-TABLE. That's 1-607-968-2253. If you have comments or questions, or you'd like to be a part of the show, please call and leave a message. Also, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our show wherever you listen to podcasts. This helps keep Together at the Table on the charts where people can find our show. Thank you once again for being with us Together at the Table. table.